Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. Mentioned in Brother Angel's new book, The Initiated Knights and Brother of Asia, our brief topic. Here to explain more and to generate more interest in his book is Brother Angel. Over to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so the Initiated Brothers, Knights and Brothers of Asia... Uh, is a German organization, so really I should give it in German, if I can. It's uh, Initiata Rita und Bruder Asiens. Um, so the, the order was introduced in Berlin uh, in the year 1780, perhaps 1782, mm -hmm. uh, by members of the German Rose Croix, or Rose Croix, as they say in America. Mm -hmm. The Lodge uh, adopted a mixture of Christian, Jewish, and what they call Mohammedan ceremonies. I presume that's uh, Islamic. Yes. <laughs> to indicate uh, the Lodge's religious tolerance. <clears throat> and their object was the study of the natural science and the search for the universal panacea to prolong life. Mm -hmm. In other words, this is spiritual alchemy. And the Lodge forbade all inquiries into the art of transmutation of metals, which is laboratory alchemy. The um, order was founded on the three symbolic degrees, and they attached to them six others. Uh, the fourth degree was the seekers. The fifth was the sufferers. It's a great title. Mm. <laughs> I'm a sufferer. Uh, the sixth degree was the initiated brother, knights and brothers of Asia in Europe. The seventh degree was masters and sages. The eighth degree was the royal priests or the true brothers of the Rose Croix. And the ninth degree was Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Mm. The, obviously, the order no longer exists, but many details about it can be found in um, a book called Essay sur la secte des Illuminés by Jean-Pierre-Louis Delaroche Dumas, who is the Marquis of Luchet. Uh, so on the title of the uh, book, you don't get the whole name, it just puts Luchet. Mm -hmm. It was published in Paris in 1789, so this is nine years after the start of uh, this order. Uh, Luchet was a French mason who was visiting Berlin as a tourist, and later he published his diary. In the U.S. archives, I found two books with this title, both written in Old French, um, and they both published the same year, in 1780, but only one refers to this order uh, under a section called Note 15, and if you want to check it, it's on page 212 to 216. And some of the interesting facts, and I've listed them up, um, the one in the third grade, they uh, have uh, the symbols of Urim and Thummim mm. to be worn fastened, fastened to the check, chest. Sorry. Uh, it's rather like the, the breastplate that uh, the rabbis used to wear in the in the Bible. This Urim and Thummim uh, is very interesting. It was actually a book 
published in 1707 in London, which is the first Hebrew book ever printed in England. Mm. It's called Umim Ver Thummim. Um, these two things, Umim and Thummim, um, if you look on the on Wikipedia, the, it's quite complicated. It seems to be a method of scrying. Um, right. Uh, they were referred to in the books of Ex Exodus and um, uh, where it says that Aaron had to wear a blessed breastplate um, when he entered the holy place and he had to have these two things on it. Also in the book of Samuel. Uh, interestingly, uh, the uh, University of Yale University, if you look at their coat of arms, it's an open book. Mm. And one side of the book says Ulim and the other one says Thummim. Interesting. <laughs> and it's been translated in Latin underneath and like a ribbon in a banner, says Lux et Veritas. Mm. So I'm um, not quite sure. I think it's a type of scrying. I used to think that Thummim was, was a, like a dreidel. It's a thing you, you twist mm. for fortune telling. But it's interesting that they were it's referring to scrying in he in the Hebrew uh, well in Judaism it doesn't seem to when you relying a prof of, upon the sayings of prophets why would you scry mm. anyway so the second point is um, the regalia were jackets and according to the different degrees you either had a black jacket or a black and white and the higher ones had purple jacket the candidate uh, had to have passed the first three degrees of Freemasonry in a lodge of St. John or a lodge of Melchizedek. Now, this Melchizedek is also a very interesting lodge of Melchizedek. I'll talk about it in a moment. The head of the organization was called uh, the Sindrium, the Grand Sindrium, and it had it was limited to 72 members. And also the third principal degree, which I'm not quite sure what that was, but it was also limited to 72. Um, if you wanted to set up an organization, it would have cost you seven ducats. Uh, to, for a provincial chapter, you'd have had to pay 25 ducats. And a higher for a general chapter was 50 ducats. So to open a um, Letter of incorporation, um, seven ducats was equivalent to seven guineas, I think, seven or eight pounds in England. That's actually quite a lot of money because in the 18th century, a housemaid in England was paid three pounds a year. You know, so, mm. so seven, eight pounds is nearly three years. Anyway, <laughs> just trying to put things into perspective. Um, a ducat, of course, is a gold a gold coin. Yes. Um, so the interesting point here was about the lodges of Melchizedek. Um, it seems that uh, in Hamburg, a famous uh, Jewish rabbi, David Moise Hertz, was received, I uh, was a member of the lodge of Melchizedek, and he's also joined... Um, the Lodge of Chalcedon in London. Um, I couldn't find, uh, it seems he was joined this lodge in July 26th, 18, sorry, 1787. 
I couldn't find a, a lodge of Chalcedon. It could be Chalcedonia or it could be Chaldon. You know, this is a French person writing about a German situation. So the translation may be a little bit iffy. Uh, it's, and the second thing which is interesting um, says that um, the, the brother, the Duke of Montague, who was our first noble Grand Master, um, uh, and also by brother Jacob Anderson. Well, obviously he means James Anderson. Mm. Uh, in the Constitution of 1722, I think he means 1723, but anyway, he says that it is expressly added that it's not necessary to profess to the Christian religion to be a Freemason. I'd never heard that. Mm. I don't know where he got it from, but anyway... Um, Obviously, in this, we're talking about a book that was written in 1780. People didn't have, you know, good sources of information. But um, it's interesting that uh, this lodge of uh, I did a bit of research. The lodge of Mel Melchizedek Melchizedek mm. uh, in Hamburg was a, a lodge that was reserved for Jews, and interestingly, at the time. Uh, the situation of Jews in Germany was really quite difficult. There was a lot mm. of, of persecution. And this is in the, in the 1780s. We're not talking about the 20th century here. So um, they had a pretty hard time then. But so, so that they had a Rosicrucian brother. His name is Hans Heinrich von Ecke und Eckhofen. And he founded this lodge just for Jews. Anyway, so um, interesting points. Uh, the other point about this was uh, Luce, who wrote the book, he refers to people as being illuminate. Mm, uh, obviously means illuminated or a wise person, I suppose, illuminated person. But it's maybe where we get this, this kind of fascination with the illuminati comes mm. from. Because illuminate, illuminati is very close. And... Uh, many uh, people in the Rosicrucian orders referred to each other in the higher orders as being not as a brother, but as an illuminate. Mm. So that's an um, interesting thing to think about. Uh, the organization, of course, is called the Initiated Knights and Brothers of Asia. And I'm assuming because of the interest of uh, in China in those days that they obviously meant the Far East, and not yes, the yes. Levant, because mm. Asia Minor, uh, there was no interest in uh, um, an elixir of immortality in the Far East. I think it'd have to be China. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. So my interest is, of course, you know, having written about China, um, and uh, their, their connection to Freemasonry, the interest is that... In, 50 years later, in 1780, an organization was actually set up to find the elixir of, of immortality. And this is the theme of the third degree, which was written in 1725. So it seems obvious that a select few Freemasons in Europe understood the secret teachings of Freemasonry, mm. as I understand them as well. That's very interesting. It seems it seems to me that this was a um, well. Obviously, you said it was a non-laboratory, purely spiritual-based alchemical system. Yes. So it would have would it have been a, along the lines of of a Christian Christian alchemy, or a 
Well, they're, they're trying to mix the lodge. You know, they, mm. they have Christianity, Judaism, and uh, Islam teachings mixed in. So mm. I'm not sure exactly what they were doing. The lost, um, I, I, mm, the lost secrets of Abraham, possibly. I don't know. I don't know. I, I imagine that they were looking very carefully at the Bible yeah. and uh, um, at the sacred text mm. to look for hints. They may also have been, because they're Rosicrucians, um, uh, they were also probably looking at uh, things like Picatrix and ah, yes, um, yes. looking into well, magic. And uh, One of the interesting things of the first few pages of the Rosicrucian Manifestos is that the, the, the characters are said to be looking for uh, lost secrets in the East, India, India and China. That's, it. That's exactly it. So mm. this, is, this ties in. And I wonder which one comes first. <laughs> This is true. This is true. So, yes. Yeah. So, they... um, to me, it seems, you know, I, I'm sitting out here in the cold <laughs> mm. with my ideas that Freemasonry is based on, on Taoist uh, uh, ideas of spiritual alchemy. Uh, but to have another organization in Germany 50 years later after the founding mm. of Freemasonry looking for the same thing kind of supports my my theory and it, it's, yeah um, it almost looks as if they found some information and they're trying to plug the gaps in the bible maybe yes. maybe the lost secrets yeah. <laughs> but i this is i just yeah it's i'd like to do some more research there's only yeah. one book i could find about it and this is uh Lu luce's book that's uh, what i was um, going to ask the, you what what texts are there available luce. Uh, so could you just repeat the text again, please, just so we can do sure, some further research? Sure. So if anyone's interested, you have to go to the U.S. archives. You, I think you can go through. I went through Google to get to the archives. And um, the book is by uh, the Marquis of Luce, which is L-U-C-H-E-T, published in Paris in 1789. Mm -hmm. And it's called Essay sur la secte des Illuminés. Mm. Interesting. So that's an essay on the sect of illuminated illuminated brothers. It's a very interesting choice of words for things that were going on in Europe at that time. Very yeah, interesting. And and some of the I just think the, the first three degrees are the same as in masonry. Enter apprentice as um, uh, I don't know if they use a fellow craft, but um, mm. or fellow of the craft and master mason the yes. next one's the seekers and the sufferers i just love i <laughs> what the degree what was the ritual to become a sufferer mm, yes <laughs> you want to look at my gas bill that, that you have to walk through a room of of, of lego in bare feet <laughs> yeah, that, and that turn plugs yeah, yeah. Okay. no i just think um uh to see my electricity bill and my gas bill yeah <laughs> 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 I'd be made a royal priest the next week. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Don't suffering. <laughs> on, anyway. on that note, we'll, we'll end the yep. suffering. We'll, yep. uh, we'll we'll leave it there. If you have any questions, please email on the link below. We now part on the square, and we will meet soon. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.